0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. All right it is the h-town hoops podcast brandon scott and adam spillane sportsradio610.com here with you austin mendez behind the scenes handling things for us producing this thing we appreciate you and adam dude (laughs) i do not remember a time okay and we're you know 18 to 20 let's just call it somewhere between 18 to 20 almost three weeks into the year of 2023 and I cannot remember a time when the, the, when the, when the, when the Rockets have been discussed with such first, he almost went to the other two teams in the city that have been discussed with more fervor. I cannot remember a time when the Rockets have been discussed with this much fervor in this short amount of time than they have been in the last few weeks, certainly in the last week or so. And then certainly in the last day or so, it's obvious where we begin here with john wall calling out the organization i'm gonna get to my opinion about this because i've had a strong opinion about the john wall experience especially the end of it for a while now but i want to hear where you are with it i'll let you even set up the the clip since you did the did the work of pulling these audio clips from the podcast that john wall appeared on where he's calling out the organization as a bad organization he did a good job during while he was here of of at least maintaining a a professional appearance as if everything was sort of copaesthetic, and it appeared that way publicly. But we got a little bit more insight into what this was actually like, didn't we? Also, he went on the podcast. It's called Run Your Race.
2: It's hosted by Theo Pinson, who plays for the Dallas Mavericks right now. And uh, Pinson was a really good player at North Carolina. And uh, the co-host is I think it's A.J. Richardson, which I'm assuming is a friend of Theo Pinson's. And basically, it was essentially a two-hour podcast appearance in the Rockets section. of It It was about five minutes in the Rockets section is the part that's going to make all the headlines, at least for us. And Theo Pinson lays it out right away, and he asks John Wall about his experience with the Rockets. You got traded to the Rockets. Talk about the Rockets' experience. Trash. I don't know. I know. Beyond trash. And that's basically how it started, and you can it, it pretty much for the Rockets organization, it got worse from that point on.
1: Yeah, but but let, let, let's let's also hear Austin if you can play this. Let's also hear why it was trash and, and some of what he, uh, some of what he was indicating about sort of the losing culture and what the effect could be on some of the young players.
2: Like I always talk to Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, mm-hmm. KJ, I'm like yo, don't get adjusted
1: to this losing shit. It's not how the league is. Yeah. But at the same time, I had to tell him like the shit y'all getting away with over here, you go to any other teams, you'd be out the lead. Like, you wouldn't play. You're not playing. You wouldn't play. No, facts. So I'm trying to explain that to them because they think it's sweet. And I'm like, if you ever get traded and go somewhere else, you're going to be like, this motherfucker was right. That's the
2: part of the podcast. If you, we can talk about all the stuff with you know how things went down for him while he played with the Rockets and how it ended and all that other stuff and the tanking. But that's the part that matters the most. Because that's the part that gives you some insight into maybe why things are going the way that they are right now. And it's because I mean we've talked we've been talking about this now for, for months, just the lack of accountability that's within the organization. And here's a guy who was in the building last year and he saw as Kevin Porter and uh Jalen Green were, you know, basically getting away with everything. And it feels like that has continued into this season. And that's what should be. I don't I don't care about you know, uh, about, you know, whether or not John Wall was told to leave the team or whatever last year, I care about the stuff that is happening right now. And that little clip gives you an insight into why things are happening the way that they are right now.
1: Yeah. And I guess I do care because all of it to me tells a complete story about how the organization is run and which I think just from the outside looking in, I'm not there every day the way you are, but from the outside looking in, and this seems to be a consensus among credible voices around the league, but it it seems from the outside looking in that the organization is being run poorly. And I think you can even date it back to, look, I don't, I don't blame the Rockets as it's not to go too far back, but I don't blame the Rockets for giving the keys to the franchise, to James Harden and allowing him to kind of do whatever he wanted. But what I'm noticing is there, there seems to be a pattern of, a lack of accountability within that organization that spans regimes. Now going back to the previous regime and going into the current one where the superstar player is allowed or superstar players are allowed to just sort of do whatever they want and sort of, I don't know if run rampant is the exact word. Cause it's not like they're, it's not like they're doing anything like that's like super toxic outside of basketball or anything like that. But to me, there's just a pattern here. you can remember the stories that were written in The Athletic about the way James Harden kind of had uh, free reign to do whatever he wants, And then you fast forward to now what you're talking about, which is more relevant, again, like you're saying, to the team that we're covering right now, where there's just a lack of accountability, especially for the ones that are that are tasked with having the most responsibility on the team. And so I think that's the most disappointing part about it, you know. It just just to rehash for a second, the whole part about them telling John Wall to come off the bench or or sort of giving him this diminished role for the development of Kevin Porter Jr. Well, one of the issues that I had with that in, in the beginning, and I think it does transfer a little bit to now, is that the the notion and the idea that playing John Wall would take away from their development, I always thought was flawed and somewhat silly to begin with because John Wall was an actual point guard. And I think it would have allowed Jalen Green and Kevin Porter to flourish in the roles that they actually, I think, are designed as players to to play in. And so I I thought that was a misstep then. um, I I don't know if it's having a great effect on them now, but, but when I look at it, I think, okay, I can point to, if i wanted to use that as an inflection point to where things started to uh where you could start to sort of question things and question strategy and what exactly they were doing as an organization i would point to that to so where they wasted a player who was a 40 million dollar player probably overpaid but they wasted a player who was healthy and could have helped them not just necessarily win games but could have helped them in their development on the court and they passed on that in the name of what exactly i'm not sure more touches for Kevin Porter Jr., figuring out if he could be a point guard, I guess that was it. But I don't know. To me, that was that was the original misstep, and the I guess the first sign of trouble for me with this regime, with this current regime.
2: Well, that gets into the whole tanking thing, and they obviously were had, they had no interest in winning games last year, uh, and the fact that they went all in with the roster that they went in with, and the fact that. They told John Wall, who would have been their best player without question, they told him to leave and, and they said, no, we don't we don't want you to play or we want you to come off the bench and be a 15-minute a, a game type guy. That shows you that they weren't interested in winning. And listen, the way that, that the NBA operates, that's pretty normal. And you're seeing it again this year. That they basically aren't trying to win this year either. And so that becomes a little bit of an issue because – when i don't when winning doesn't matter then i can do all this stuff i can get into bad habits because we're not worried about winning right now and it's 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 such a it's a bad position to be in and this is why
1: you don't want to tank well but but even even there though adam like and i get that like all of that makes sense but and i get the motivation for tanking especially if you're trying to you know reset your organization and all of that but and i know i'm making this case for john wall because i think he should have played but how much winning like what would john wall's war be if, if this were you know what I mean? if this were fan or baseball reference or like what how much winning would they have actually do, how much many how many more wins would he have been worth i'm not sure that they would have won their way out of the lottery or anything i think they just would have been a better more watchable and digestible team i don't i don't think john wall was going to be the difference between them being a lottery team and being in the the playing games
2: no you're right and it's not like he would have played all 82 games either right i mean he he had played he had played 40 the year before uh and he hadn't played what the a season and a half before that and you you could have structured this to where he could have started and you just say all right john you're not going to play back to backs okay that's Here fine And there would have been other games along the way that he would have missed. And so you could have gotten him his minutes and maybe built up his trade value a little bit to where he shows, Hey, you know what? He actually is healthy. Maybe we can go ahead and take a flyer on him and uh, uh, give him some, give him some, give him some opportunities to play, lose games, sit him when the opportunity arises. I mean, he, he, He's not the healthy. He's not going to stay healthy all the time. We saw that just in that one season here, where he only plays forty of seventy-two games. You know, a a, a nick here, a nick there. He he would sit out for weeks. I remember um, there he would get hurt in practice and have to miss a week. So it's not like he would have been able to play every single game. So you, it's not like he would have played all eighty-two, even if he had played. And giving these guys some competition in practice, I think would have mattered. And you know, the one thing that that he did say was. I'm, I'm okay coming off the bench, but I'm not going to just give my, don't just give my spot to someone, make them come and earn it. And how much do you think it would have benefited Kevin Porter jr. Or maybe even Jalen green to have to earn a spot in the starting lineup instead of having one just handed to them. So I think that's where the misstep comes and just when you hand guys minutes and you don't make them earn the minutes, I don't think that that helps them. And I think we'll talk about this with, uh, with some of these guys uh, moving forward, but Alperen Shingun had to earn his minutes last year. I mean, he started out as the third center and ultimately became the starting center because of the, because he had to earn it. And he came off the bench to start this season because he played poorly during training camp because he played poorly in the preseason. Yet he played well once the season started. Uh, Bruno Fernando gets hurt. And Shinjin gets that gets that starting spot back, and he's held on to it, and he's played really well this season. So sometimes making guys have to earn minutes makes them better in the long run, and just giving guys minutes out the gates, I think that can hurt them.
1: I thought you did a good job of summing it up. I thought you summed it up perfectly, actually. And, yes, I am going to read your own tweet to you. you of course, you know what you said, but I'm going to read this to you and read this to the audience and get some reaction to it. The Rockets in 2023, Austin Rivers says they need someone to teach Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green how to play the right way. David Thorpe, noted basketball analyst, says an agent called the organization a clown show. And John Wall, as we've been discussing here the last 12 or 13 minutes or so, John Wall says that it's a bad organization right now. And to add, they have not won a game in this calendar year, are these criticisms fair? Do you think? Because, because I, I and I'll just say before I throw it to you, I think they are. Um, what, are you, what about you?
2: I, I think for the most part they are. I do think it's one of those things where it's very easy to pile on a team from the outside when things are going bad. So that's the one thing that I'll preface it and say, like it, it looks bad. Like there's nothing about the organization right now that looks good. Um, So it is very easy to pile on. Um, So I I don't think what I think calling the organization a clown show like David Thorpe did where like he relayed an agent told him that might be a little unfair because the agent is in the building. I don't know if the agent has I don't know who the agent is. I don't the agent might not have a player with the team at all. So I, I don't know if that one's fair. But what Austin Rivers said was very fair. What John Wall said is very fair. Also, again, John Wall was just in the building a year ago, so he understands. He he knows the organization better than most. So yeah, I, I don't think that. And the fact, and this is the you know right before this, Eric Gordon said they weren't improving. So I mean, this is kind of this has been now. I mean. They got more people calling them out than they have games won at this point. So, yeah, they they they're on pace to win less than 20 games this year. They won 20 games last year. They won 17 games the year before. So, yeah, most of this, I think, is very fair criticism.
1: Yeah. And I think the clown show comment is probably hyperbolic. But the the sentiment around it, I think, is the same as basically what you're hearing everybody else say. It maybe a little bit more delicate of fashion, not calling it straight up a clown show but saying hey things ain't right there i do wonder and this is just an aside from me adam but i do wonder how much the in some parts of his game regression of Jalen green contributes to this because if if Jalen green takes off this year and becomes the player that i sort of envisioned him becoming this year and i know he's improved in a lot of areas but also not improved in a lot of areas that you would want to see him improve in But I feel like if he takes off this year and becomes like that frontline type of superstar kind of guy, that it helps them look a lot better. Because at the very least, you're like, well, they invested the number two pick in a guy that looks very much like he's going to be the best player on a winning team at some point. And and I'm at the point of understanding and still believing that Jalen Green is supremely talented. Like that's just, to me, inarguable if you watch him, but also not sure – based off of what we've seen so far that he can be the best player on a winning in a winning franchise on a winning team so to me that that contributes to it a little bit and like i said that's an aside i think there's a more organizational thing that we're discussing here so uh so that's kind of where i'm at with it but i would ask you though because i feel like in the few months that we've been doing this podcast you and i have maybe mentioned rafael stone's name maybe once or twice in the entire podcast um, just because we, we've we been so focused on the players and the coaching and the game. And I, I wanted to ask you, like, especially as an insider, man, how much is Raphael Stone to blame in all of this? And at what point does the, the heat sort of start to turn up on Raphael Stone where there's some accountability there and we start kind of kind of looking and, and focusing in on the job that he's doing? Well, I mean, the focus has always been on the head coach, Stephen Silas, and that's just how
2: this is. And Stephen Silas is the one who answers all the questions, and he's the one who's the public face of the organization. Um, However, at some point, it does fall on the guy who builds the roster, and that's Rafael Stone. And if Rafael Stone, you know...
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news...
2: I do think a lot of it does fall on Raphael stone because again, it's his roster. He's the one who wanted Kevin Porter jr. To be the point guard. Uh, he's the one who drafted the guys. He's the one who went as young as he did with this roster. He's the one who, as John Wall says, is the one who uh, wanted Waldo to, to come off the bench and then eventually go home. So yeah, a lot of this does fall on him. Now, I, does this, you know, in terms of job and, and stuff moving forward for him, I, I don't know. I, I think it's way too early to start getting into that just because he's got some job security. You know, that that's the one thing where you look at Steven Silas. Steven Silas has no job security. Steven Silas doesn't have a contract past the season. or Stone does. So that's why Rafael Stone, as the GM, is always going to have um, a, a little bit more leeway than, say, the head coach does, and plus the Rockets are, very young and they're rebuilding and a lot of this is based on drafts and you look at the guys who they've drafted and they're talented yet they just have not been able to mesh well on the basketball floor so um certainly the guy who puts the roster together deserves
1: a good deal of the blame yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's where i'm at at this point too man like the the general manager is gets to kind of be out of sight out of mind because they don't do a weekly press conference or a daily press conference or have a show on the pregame radio partner and and all of that like like you mentioned steven silas gets to be the face of what we're watching but that was what i thought was a key revel i don't know if if revelation is the right word because we could have we probably could have figured this and, and known this just the way uh just the way things work organizationally and not just with the rockets but in most places where the general manager as the architect of the team gets to sort of dictate to the coach to a certain degree who they would like to see play if not just to say flat out this is who you're playing um and, and it varies from organization to organization and and may even be more prevalent in other sports but i mean you heard john wall i don't think we played this clip but john wall in that podcast that we're talking about mentions how when he met with steven silas going into that year 2 that ended up not basically not being a year 2 cuz he didn't play uh saying hey man you know this is what the GM wants to do and you know this is direction the direction that we're going in and so i you know i, I feel like that that gives you insight into how much of a influence he has on what we're actually seeing out there on the court i don't i i'm not saying that he's out there coaching the team and the one that's deciding all of the rotations that rockets twitter gets all worked up about and you know, in the Twitter spaces and in comments and in message boards and all of that. But it does go to show you what the influence is from Raphael stone on not just accumulating the players, but also the, the actual product that we see the the way the product is, is uh, the way, the way the product is, uh, is presented to
2: us. He is much more involved than people realize, I think. and, so when you hear him say that, you know, I want, I want, you know, I want Kevin Porter Jr. to be the point guard. I mean, this is Rafael's way of basically, you know, putting his foot down. Um, he is at most practices. He is involved in coaches meetings, you know, at at halftime and, and even uh, uh, after the games. So he very much has his hands on just about everything that you can have uh, within the organization so I, I do think that he is a little more powerful than people realize and at some point you know he's got a you know that, that I think you'll start to see a little bit more of that especially if they wind up making a coaching move at some point
1: yeah and, and we talk about Rafael St- Raphael Stone so little that I'm pronouncing his name like he's one of the Ninja Turtles and I apologize for that I hey look Raphael Come talk to us a little bit more. Get out, get out in front. I know we he's seen a lot, just doesn't necessarily talk a lot, but uh, but I did want to acknowledge that and uh and apologize for getting his name wrong. Uh he's not he is not one of the uh, the ninja turtles, he is Raphael Stone. Um but let me ask you this before we pivot. I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge or figure out how the Rockets get out of this. Is it just simply <laughs> Hey, maybe the tanking works and, you know, they land, you know, they land Victor and everything just works out. The generational talent, best prospect we've seen since, I don't know, LeBron, James, whoever, and everything, you know, and everything's cool. You know, is, is, is that the way I, I would mention David Thorpe in the comment that we were mentioning earlier in your tweet, <laughs> you know, he, he sort of laments the fact that Victor Wimbanyama is going to have to end up or or would possibly have to end up with the Rockets what he called a clown show quoting uh, another agent or quoting an agent that he knows um uh, and sort of I guess just lamenting the the draft as a concept when you're you know the best at what you the best prospect at what you do and then you don't get to decide where you go uh, but that I mean he's not gonna we're not fixing that in a day or probably ever. so is, is that just the path I mean i'm I'm trying to figure out how to go from bad or how the rockets go from bad organization no improvement agents calling it a clown show all of this uh the Austin Rivers a former player for the team talking about how the the guys need vets and need to be taught how to play the right way how do they get from this spot to something that's that's more respectable is there is there a a path in sight for that
2: I mean, there, there is just because of just the talent that you have in the building. And I I don't think you can deny that they have some guys that you can build around right now. Does that equal a good team? I don't know yet, but they need to introduce some structure into the organization and they need to, they need to introduce some discipline into the organization that needs to happen. And that needs to happen relatively quickly. And I don't know if that's going to be able to happen between now and game 82, But once the season ends, that needs to be their main focus is not, is, is bringing some, some discipline, some organization to the rock, to to the organization. And then they need to obviously add some talent to the roster and they'll be able to spend some money in free agency for the first time in a while. It's, it's going to be important that they do that. And I I do think they have an opportunity to add a veteran and Austin Rivers is a free agent, just, you know, happenstance. How about that? Um, (laughs) That. So they have a chance to add there. They'll have a chance obviously to add into the add somebody in the draft, but it's not like this is not a situation that you already blow it up. Oh, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to go there with it. And I've seen it just yo know, across the street in at at, uh, at Minute Made, where they were saying the same thing about the Astros in 2013 and 2014. And they got it together pretty quickly. Sometimes you just need to let guys grow and improve and mature. But you, I, I do think that they need to be a little more hands on with it, and they need to expect a little bit more out of these guys than what they're expecting out of them right now. And they need to go into next year saying, "Hey, it, it's time to actually like do some winning." And you need to go and earn your your playing time. And if you're not good, you're not going to play because we have this other guy behind you right now. If you're Jalen Green, there's nobody behind you who's in who's going to actually take your job. So if you have to actually compete for minutes and compete for your job, then maybe you're going to play a little bit harder. Maybe you're not going to fall asleep on defense every other possession. Maybe you're not going to kick the ball around. Maybe you will actually sprint back on defense. How about that? You know, that yes. solves a lot of problems. It's just what a sprint.
1: concept, Adam. I mean,
2: you're you're giving up 18 fast break points a game. I mean, if you give up 12, then all of a sudden things are a whole lot different for you as a team. And that's just simply getting back on defense. I think one of the mistakes that they have made this year is going all in on the offensive rebounds because now you're telling because There are some teams that are good offensive rebounding teams, but they're good offensive rebounding teams because they have good individual offensive rebounders. The way the Rockets do it, they just say, everyone crash the glass, everyone just go. And so that as a player, it gives you a built in excuse not to get back on defense because you can say, Oh, I'm just going to crash. I'm just going to crash. And, And, you know, I, I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not going to like maybe take the right angle or read the, read the ball correctly, but I'm going to crash. So I don't have to worry about getting back on defense because I crashed the glass instead. That's, I think the mentality that they need to get out of. They need to be focused on, Hey, get back on defense, play the right way, play hard every single possession. Don't give up on plays. And I think that that makes them better moving forward. But you've got to instill that in players. And right now that hasn't been instilled in them. And there's just, there's, there's no consequences for anything. So they need to get someone in here, whether it's Steven Silas changing his stripes on the fly, which I don't know will necessarily happen. And you don't really see happen at this point, but they, they, they need to bring, bring in someone who is actually going to hold players accountable. So I think that's the big thing. I think that's how you can get players
1: to grow very quickly is by making them actually earn minutes. An organization that needs organizing. Good luck, Rockets. Good luck, Rockets. So earlier you mentioned Alperen Shingun earning his minutes, earning his time, earning his place in the starting lineup. Certainly he's done that. I think the last time that we talked on this podcast, he had just – I want to say he had just recorded his – had just become the the youngest center to record a triple-double, if I'm not mistaken, with the 10-10-10. and So fast forward to the Laker game, he has a career game and is incredible. Now, we should mention that Kevin Porter Jr. has been hurt. He's been out with the ankle injury, and so they've had to reshuffle things and had to sort of – I mean, he's their most ball-dominant guy, and so they've had to reshuffle some things. We've even seen, of course, Eric Gordon be more uh, aggressive and assertive and and play – Feels like feels like he's played better. There was one tweet that I thought was funny I saw. I can't remember who said it, but somebody's like, so are y'all saying that Kevin Porter Jr.'s been holding back the development of Eric Gordon? <laughs> um, which I thought was, you know, just funny tongue-in-cheek, obviously. But Albert Shingun, man, had his best game, career game, 33 points, I think on 14 to 17 shooting, if I'm not mistaken. That's me going off the top of my head there, but it was like – 33 and 15 or something like that. And he was getting whatever he wanted and just looked like a savant out there. And it feels like the conversation at this point needs to be had. Like Jalen Green's, I would say their most talented player. Kevin Porter Jr. is probably not too far behind him in being maybe their second most talented player. But right, I think there's a difference between being the most talented and being the best. And so the conversation right now, I feel like need at least needs to be had. Or well, the question needs to be asked, is Alperen Shingoon the Rockets' best player right now? And keep in mind, we've had the discussion about more Shingoon post-ups, more Shingoon touches, various different discussions like that. But right now, is he their best player? Um, I don't
2: think so. Uh, I think you can certainly make the argument for it. And obviously, Monday was very good. Um, but I think that was more opponent based than anything else, and I mean you saw him. I mean he he put up some okay numbers. You know I, I know he had the triple double. It's ten ten and ten. Yeah, ten I, ten and
1: ten. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And, and
2: he was he was thoroughly outplayed by Demontis Sabonis in those two games. I mean that's the other thing to remember. I mean he's going up against Demontis Sabonis those two games in Sacramento and being completely outplayed. So that's why I have a little bit of pause. And you look at what he did on Monday. He scores thirty three great that that's uh, he was terrific in that game he completely destroyed thomas bryant and he's he was 10 of 11 against thomas bryant so when they move, when they when they switched somebody else onto him it got a little harder when winning gabriel was guarding him it was a little bit harder lebron james made things a little bit tougher on him. so that's why i paused just a little bit on the shingoon stuff just because so much of it was when he was being guarded by Thomas Bryant, and as, as a Hoosier, I love Thomas Bryant, but Thomas Bryant not a great NBA defender. So I want to see. Uh, I, now the question is, I, I want to see him with more opportunities. I do think that that needs to happen. I do think that he needs to get the ball more. I think that that he needs to have that you know opportunity to to get to have thirty three points in a game and to completely dominate an opposing defender. Just because you don't have a lot of great defenders uh as centers anymore anyways at this point so you know we're doing this on wednesday they take on charlotte tonight let him go at uh, mason Plumley in, right. in this game let him let him get that opportunity when they go against minnesota again now it'll be interesting to see how things go against the wolves because he was very good against rudy gobert the last time around in the first half and then in the second half they really focused their defense on him so I think for me what was encouraging about Shingoon's game and really the last couple of games for Shingoon has been the three point shooting because yes. he made two he made two on Monday first time all season he's made two threes in a game uh he has made a three in back to back games for the first time since the first two games of the season he, this is Alper and Shingoon's three point shooting first two games he made two ga- he made two threes last two games he's made three threes the 36 games in between he made three threes and it's not necessarily that he's not making them, it's that he's not taking them. To see him take a, a bunch of threes, I do think that that matters, and I do think that that makes him tougher to defend.
1: Let so, me let me interrupt you real quick, Adam. Is do you think on, on the threes because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up? Because I've wondered about this is he being coached not to shoot those threes, or is that a confidence thing? Like, why, why doesn't he take more of those? I, I think it's a confidence thing. Because okay. that shot is there, and he'll like look like he wants to
2: take it, and then he'll stop and he'll move the ball to somebody else. I mean, I think that they want him to take that shot, just knowing how they've played the last you know two and a half years under Stephen Silas. The whole thing is, if you have a good look from three, take the good look from three. I think that's how everyone across the league plays, and that he just hasn't want he just for whatever reason hasn't felt good taking it, and that's one thing that you know, I'd like to ask him at some point, you know, either, you know, after this game or whenever, it's just like, are you just feeling more confident in that shot? Because now all of a sudden you're taking something and he was shooting at a poor clip. I mean, he was not making them. So I think that probably um, impacts your thinking when you have that look. It's like, well, I don't want to take this because I'm probably not going to make it. So, I mean, he's, I think he's still at like 25% for the season, but just showing a team that you're willing to take that shot, it's going to change the way that they defend you. It's going to open up some things for your teammate, So I, I do think that that was a positive development. Now he, the other thing was Shingun is the defense and we can talk about how great he is offensively, but he's got to be better on the defensive end of the floor and they gave up 140. My,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. My man picked up a foul before it, it, at the, at the tip, but, but like before I feel like a tick even went off the, the clock. Like, I don't, I don't know if time had elapsed at any point. Or maybe a second or two. I don't know. Like on, on the opening tip, I don't know if I've seen that before. Like that, that's comically bad. Yeah, I've never seen somebody foul the guy on the, you know, like you'll see a
2: foul on the opening tip, but it's usually like the round circle. circle. Yeah. Fighting yeah. for position. I've never seen the two guys involved in the tip. I've never seen one guy going for the tip foul the other. That, that was a first for me. But you know what was good about that? He didn't commit a foul the, the rest of the first quarter. True. Yeah. I mean that that was a step in the right direction, but again, defensively, it's it's part of the discussion with him. Yeah. Because he he's a bad defender. I mean, let's just say it. He yeah, he's a very bad he's a bad defender, and I, I do think that that limits his ceiling. and it limits how you can play because when you have a center who can't defend and you like they can only they can only play one way with him defensively. And that's to have him in drop coverage. And if he were a better shot blocker, okay, you can get by with that. But because he's not a great shot blocker, and he doesn't necessarily move all that well either. Now, all of a sudden, teams get a running start at him and it becomes very easy to finish over him or he drops back so deep That you're playing against Kawhi Leonard and you're just giving Kawhi Leonard open mid-range shot after open mid-range shot after open mid-range shot, and he can make that. Now, if you have Garuba on the floor, you can switch that action. And now all of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard's not getting that open mid-range shot. If you have Bruno Fernando on the floor, maybe you can, you know, you can, it gives you a little more, it gives you more options defensively uh, when he's not on the floor. I don't think that's a reason not to play him. I think that maybe they can experiment a little bit more with him defensively, maybe try playing a zone every now and then maybe throw that in there. But it is part of the story, and it's part of the reason why you wonder why they, why they it feels like they aren't as committed to him as maybe they should be or maybe they could be, and it's because of the defense. And I do think that teams value defense at that position a little bit more than in others because as the center, you're the last line of defense. And you're the guy who has to call out everything. You're the one who, you know, if the guards are going to get beat, you have to be there to clean it up. It it reminds me a little bit of like the defensive catcher. It's like, you know, teams are going to go for, for at catcher, you know, more than they're going to go for the offense. And I think it's the the same way at center, like teams care about defense at center, probably more so than any other position. That's why you want your best scorers to be your guards, because you want to focus on defense when it comes to your center, because he's the one who cleans everything up.
1: Yeah. I don't think that your best player can be someone that you feel like, or at least you're over there thinking that you need to sub out at the end of the game for defensive possessions. You know, whether it be because of foul trouble or just an inability to defend and, and both are an issue or they're related. They're, the, they're basically the same. He's either going to either fouling or he's just, he just can't guard a guy. And to me, your best player can't be somebody like that unless they're just, you know, Luka level of an offensive type of player, you know, and and, or, or or Jokic. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, talking about his position as a center, he's also like not big enough to make up for his athletic deficiencies or his uh, mobility issues. Like if he were just a, a bigger body, maybe you could get away with it, or maybe he'd be more of a, uh, of, a, of a threat or more of a rent protector, I should say. But he, he's none of those things. He, but what he is, though. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To, to answer the question, he's not their best player. But right now, I feel like between... I want to get your thoughts on this before we move on to the next topic and we'll get out of here. But between Alpern Shingun and Kenyon Martin Jr., neither of which I would say are their best player, Okay. But between the two of them, I feel like they are not counting Jay Sean Tate or or Eric Gordon, but between the two of those guys, let's just call them young guys, they are their most sensible and maybe basketball intelligent players and therefore the easiest to play through. Shingun more so play through and then KJ, who we've talked about before, does a tremendous job off the ball, uh, cutting, screening. And just, you know, making the right basketball play and decision. And so and so that's the way I look at it right now. When you talk about the Rockets, you got their most talented guys are guys that, again, we've, we've gone over it. Don't always necessarily play the right way, quote unquote, um, and, and don't always make smart basketball plays. I think Kevin Porter Jr. has done a, a tremendous job in improving in that way. Um, but the way I see it is that, while not their best player he is perhaps their best option to run sensible offense a lot of times given given the matchup consider whatever if the matchup uh pro- provides that you know cuz there like you said there are guys that um that he would struggle with if if they've got the size and the length and the athleticism to give him trouble well i think it's a good way to put it and i do think that if if they need a bucket like if
2: they just need a single bucket he's got a better chance of getting it for them probably than anyone else. Whether it's dumping the ball off to him and making him make a play for others or letting him go to work in the post, I think that is oftentimes their best way to get a bucket when they need it. Now, the problem with that is that kind of goes against how they want to play basketball. At least they want to play fast. They want to be up-tempo. They want to be fast. When you're dumping the ball into the post, you're playing slow. And so that's why and I, 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 it's another reason why I think that they can be a little hesitant with, with kind of centering their offense around him because then I think their offense tends to slow down a little bit and, and the pace isn't necessarily there. So I do think that's something that they need to kind of decide is what type of team they want to be. And can he hold up defensively? I don't, to me, I don't think he can hold up defensively, at least not right now. The question is, is there, is there room for growth? Is there room? Because I, I asked, I asked somebody uh, with the team this um, the other day. It might have been yesterday. Does Shingun's offense outweigh the defense right now? And he said no, it doesn't. And I thought that was, first of all, an interesting way to put it. And then I said, well, can one day can can his off, can his you know can his offense overtake his defense someday? You, you know what I mean? Like, can he become a net positive? Yeah. for your team. And he said, a couple years down the road, he can probably get there. I don't, you know, I, I think that that's, that might be a, a harsh way to look at it, but I mean, that's part of it. It's like, okay, because of the way he plays, and this is the whole two, you know, three is greater than two. He can get you two, but then you're giving up two the other side, the other way. And maybe they're getting him into an action where you're giving up three. So it's, it's tough. I, I think he is such a complicated player for today's basketball because of, he is more of a, he's a below the rim center who mm-hmm. doesn't shoot threes right now. And he's lousy defensively. If this were 25 years ago, he's a guy that you're building around. No question. No question. You're building around a guy like that. But in the, with the way the, the NBA is played right now, it's really hard to build around somebody like him. Can he get there? Sure. But he's going to really have to work hard at it. And there's going to be some, there's going to be some growing pains that come with it too. And you have to have everybody else buy in. And the other thing is their two probably best players or at least the two guys that they want to have be their best players, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. I don't know how much they really want to play with a post-up guy. You know, is Jalen Green, does he want to just dump the ball into the post 25 times a game? My guess is probably not. My guess is he probably doesn't want to just dump the ball into the post and then you know get his baskets off of cuts or
1: or um, catch and shoot threes. I only think hey, that's how he wants to play. Hey, well, well Jalen Green needs to uh, stop shooting thirty and forty percent from the field. Like th- those those field goal numbers need to go up. That that jump shot needs to fix itself. Needs to stop being broken. If he and 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 I get it, he's number two overall pick, keys to the franchise. That's what they're building around. He he, he might get to dictate how things go, but. You know, uh, when you talk about what does Jalen Green want, I need Jalen Green's jump shot to get right before I can start caring about his wants and needs, you know? no, I, I don't think that's wrong at all, but <laughs>
2: he also wants to be able to get to the rim. Yeah. yeah. And true, if you true. have Alper and Shingun posting up 25 times a game, which they aren't doing and they haven't come close to doing 25. To, there haven't been close to 25 post-ups a game. But if, if Shingun is set up at the elbow or at the block, then all of a sudden the spacings terrible and now there's no driving lanes for Jalen Green and so that's another aspect that he's probably thinking about. So it, it's a very complicated conversation. It's a little bit more complicated than
1: let's just give Shingoon the ball in the post because yeah. you know basketball is a little bit more complicated than that. Sure, sure. To simplify it, I will just say Alpern Shingoon on the offensive end specifically is very fun to watch. I have enjoyed watching him watching him developing year two. I've also enjoyed watching and it feels a little weird because I feel like you and I have given Kevin Porter his flowers for the most part for being such an improved player this year. Or I guess in, in some areas, you know, there, there are some areas that obviously need to get better that are not good, but he's improved in some areas and he's also fun to watch. But I got to admit to you, Adam, I've had fun watching them. Play without Kevin Porter Jr. I know they had the one game without Jalen Green and Jay Sean Tate. They got suspended uh, for coming off the bench in the little scuffle with the Kings, I believe it was, right? It was Malik Monk and and Garrison Matthews who went back and forth the other night, and Jalen Green missed a game. But they've been without Kevin Porter Jr. Can now. Can, I,
2: can I jump in really quick? Because go ahead. Go ahead. I, I need to say something about this whole alter take altercation thing and the suspensions.
1: Yeah, go go, go for it. Go for it. We, I don't think we've covered it at all. So go for it. No, I
2: mean, we we haven't we haven't podcasted since uh, since I guess it was Tuesday. It was the last time we talked. Um, go back and watch the altercation, and there is one thing that needs to be brought up: um, Mike Batiste and Lionel Hollins two assistant coaches. Online. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you're hitting on this. Go ahead. I, I already know where you're going with it. Go ahead. Um, the job of an assistant coach during an altercation like that is to make sure that the players who are on the bench remain on the bench. Mike Batiste and Lionel Hollins just sat there. They just sat on the bench during that whole thing and Jalen Green and Jay Sean Tate leave the bench, get suspended, and Jabari Smith almost left. I mean, he had a foot on the floor, and if it's not for Dacian Nix pulling him back, he probably goes out on the floor too. For those two, for your assistant coaches, Lionel Hollins and Mike Batiste, to just sit there is absolutely inexcusable. Yeah. And, you know, you have Steven Silas out there fighting for his job. Like, let's be honest, Stephen Silas does not have job security at all right now. And for the two assistant coaches that he personally brought in to just sit there during that altercation and leave him out to dry is inexcusable. And if I'm Stephen Silas, I am so mad about that because I just lost a starter and my sixth man because you guys could not be bothered to stand up and keep guys from leaving the bench area during an altercation. That is your one job in that situation. I just when you I, when you see the video and there, and I got a
1: photo of those two just uh, Lionel Hollins sitting, yeah not 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 even standing and getting caught up in the mix but sitting down I know what you, exactly what you're talking about Adam and, they're sitting down on their asses and watching it and Lionel Hollins is a dude who's been around forever like a, a former head coach himself like he, he's someone who to, to your point has been in the exact position that Steven Silas is in as far as being a former head coach. So he should know that, like he should be, I feel like acutely aware and sensitive to that, to what, to the point that you're making. It it was just, it was an incredible, disappointing video to see. It's
2: a very disappointing picture that it, 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 and listen, it's the fourth quarter and the game's a blowout. And it looked like that two assistant coaches were completely checked out on the bench and that they leave their head coach out to dry. And so I just thought that we need that needed to be brought up, and it's one of those things. I'm glad that the team didn't play here over the weekend because I was gonna have to bring that up, and now I was gonna have to bring that up up to to Silas. Now enough time has passed by, I probably don't need to, but I, I do hope that's one thing that at least in that coach's office has been brought up, and those two have apologized, not just to Silas but to the group. For basically doing nothing during that situation, because again, you've got a head coach fighting for his life out there. He's fighting for his job, and the two guys who are who were brought in by him personally, Stephen Silas, got to pick his his assistants this year. You know, he, they made changes. The Rockets gave him the freedom to to hire who he wanted to hire. He hires Mike Batiste. He hires Lionel Hollins, and they just leave him out there to dry. I, I, that was just incredibly disappointing to see.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you there for a moment. <laughs> You know, I got so caught up on the the basketball and then the drama that you know the podcast and drama that we've been listening to or talking about in the you know the last 24 hours or so with John Wall going scorched earth on the organization and all that. I'm be honest, man. I I briefly forgot all about that, but you are so right. And 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 if I'm real about it, I didn't notice it in real time either. I'm watching the game, but I didn't notice in real time either that they left the bench or that the much less that the assistant coaches didn't do a damn thing to to stop it. But those still shots that are on Twitter and you can find them, the still shots and and you just look at the video. And again, man, it's not like they're standing up and so caught up in the moment to where they're trying to break it up or they're distracted. They're sitting down. They're sitting, you know, like that, that's the, that's the hard part for me. Like, I could almost see maybe losing your train of thought or having a brain freeze, brain fart. I have them myself. I can excuse that. But when I think you put it, well, you, you said it well checked out. Cause they're sitting They're They're not they're, like, they're yelling a little bit, but they're, they're only barely engaged in what's even happening, much less trying to prevent it, much less trying to uh, prevent guys from being suspended. And you also got to be aware of who's on the bench, like mm-hmm. if Jalen green's in the game it, it, and look, I'm not trying to excuse any of it. Like you, you you can't let any of your players get suspended for this type of reason. You can't be without guys for this reason, any guys. Okay. If you think enough of them to be on your roster, but Jalen green is on the bench. Jabari, I didn't even realize what you said about Jabari until you said it. Uh, Jabari Smith's on the bench. You've got to be aware of that in that moment and think, okay, We've got starters on the bench right now. They can't get suspended. You know, like that, that's that got to be – I mean, to, to me, that's just the job of the of the assistant coach to know who's on the bench and when, and then when a moment comes up like that, you're trying to keep anybody from leaving the bench because you don't want anybody to get suspended. But I think you even got to be aware of who's in the game and who's not. Like you said, there's a blowout, so you know your guys are on the bench. Like all of that has, has to be going through your mind as, a, as an assistant coach who's not having to – necessarily coach every minute of the game you're 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 there to support and supplement the head coach from having to think about things that obviously they shouldn't have to be thinking about you know you know they shouldn't have to be concerned about uh, in addition to their you know game day duties and Sacramento didn't have anyone come off the bench Kings had no one suspended
2: Rockets had, two, Rockets had two of their six best players suspended. Two of their six most important players suspended for a game. Kings had none. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they win that game on Sunday if those two guys play. Maybe that saves Steven Silas's job. I don't know. But the fact that those two just sat there, it, is, it was an incredibly bad look. Um, And it just it, – it, it kind of says a lot about where the organization is right now when that happens. So. Yeah. It it was, it was, it was just, it was just really bad. And there's really nothing else that I can say other than that. It was just, it was a horrible look for them.
1: Yeah. And and I feel like too, if that's going to be a teachable moment for guys like, I mean, Jay tate has been in the league a couple of years now, but if that's going to be a teachable moment for Jalen green and Jabari Smith, who, like you said, almost left, but didn't, if that's going to be a teachable moment for them, The teaching needs to be from the assistant coaches saying, hey, we don't leave the bench in the NBA during scuffles because we get suspended for that, guys. That needs to be the teachable moment, not, hey, you got to stay at the hotel or whatever the hell it is you do when you're on a road trip and you get suspended in the middle of it. You know, like that. That's not to me how you learn that lesson. You know, you're you're supposed to be there to prevent it from happening and teach it in the moment and say, hey, that's not what we're going to do. Can't do that. Same similar point to austin rivers and, and 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 i know it's different circumstances but austin rivers and john wall saying hey y'all can't get away with this like this ain't you know you you this ain't how the game is played you know uh to to to, to quote avon barksdale that's not how the game is played you know like <laughs> we not we don't get no do-overs baby you know like come on like wake up so uh so yeah but to get out of here man <laughs> i was saying that I've actually kind of liked watching them scrap it out without Kevin Porter. Uh, even though I'm, you know, anxious for him to get back. He'll up soon. Don't obviously don't want guys to be injured, you know, and all that. But kinda liked it, you know. Um, wish they had better options at backup point guard, but you know, it's it's brought out some aggression in uh it, in Eric Gordon. It it it's brought out some. Uh, it, I think it it is it birthed the Shingun experience that we were talking about with the Lakers game. Aside from the matchup, you know, you know, be, being what it was. But what what have been your observations of the Rockets, good or bad or indifferent, with uh, with Kevin Porter Jr. out these last few games? Uh, they're certainly moving the
2: ball more, um, and that's I, I hope that as he, I, I hope that he's watching that and seeing that, Hey, we can move the ball a little bit here and you don't have to try and do everything. I don't think Kevin Porter jr is a selfish player by any stretch, but I do think that he tries to do a lot. And I think that you have to tell him you don't need to do as much as you're doing. You can take a back seat a little bit. You can allow your other guys, you can get the ball into the and just let him go to work. I think that's why he he's out there to make your job easier. So I would hope that he has watched these last two games and understood that, hey, the ball's moving. The ball's moving from side to side. We're getting the ball on the post. we're getting we're, we're getting some stuff out of that. So I, I, that's what we'll see. He should play today. Um, they've upgraded him. He's questionable to play today. So you would you would imagine that he comes back for this game. but can they play with the same, can they play the same way with him? as they did without him because they need him on the floor. Like let's not get this twisted. Oh
1: not at all, right, right, right. He is he is I
2: thought I thought that he's been their MVP this season.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I,
2: I thought I thought he's been their MVP through the first half of the season. They need him out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like, and, and we did when we did our awards show, Adam, we talked about that. Uh, you know, who's been their most valuable player, who's been their most important player. And the truth of the matter is, is that it has been uh Kevin Porter Jr. I think that, you know, it, and you put it well, like we don't want to get this twisted to think that, hey, Kevin Porter Jr. is out, the ball's moving more, therefore. It's a better offense without Kevin Porter Jr. I do think that there's something to be said for and, and you know mentioning this he's not a he's not a selfish player, but there is something to be said for maybe this being some type of evidence of him being out of position, quite honestly like like to me, that's sort of the takeaway is not hey, they're better without Kevin Porter Jr but hey what would it look like kind of going back not to be the dead horse man (laughs) but going back to my point and i've been dying on this hill ever since it happened about john wall should have been able to play point guard and all of that like maybe he's miscast and misused and should be more of an off-ball guy and 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 also can be a a very smart uh, basketball player um a, a lot of times like i like I feel like more than highlighting the idea of them being better without him, it, it to, for me because they're not. For me, it highlights that the possibility of him being miscast.
2: Yeah, I, I do think that it would be interesting to see him without the ball as much. And you know, if if you could see him, because again, I think that we've he's shown that he could be effective off the ball, but they just have kind of put him in this. Yeah. They've they've put him in this uh you know in this role that he's trying and he's getting better, but it's still not great.
1: Yeah. Well that's uh that's pretty much it for this episode of the H Town Who's podcast. I'm Brandon Scott. That's Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez producing this thing behind the scenes for us. We wouldn't be us without you. So we appreciate it. Um, And we'll do this again pretty soon, man. The Rockets, it's a rough time. They are struggling. They got folks calling them bad organization, calling them a clown show. Hey, man, it's going to be up to them to change the narrative and to start at least, if not winning games, but to at the very least start showing a little bit more of the progress that we thought we were seeing towards the end of last season. And at various points, I think in, what would you call it, Adam? Late November, early December, whatever that little stretch was, when I was getting on here talking about, hey, man, we won't talk about too many wins. And then they were like winning every time we would do a podcast. Like, Hopefully, we see a little bit more of that type of play. And not, not just type of play, but that type of effort. Um, and, and and when we'll see how it goes, man. It can't get any worse. <laughs> It can't get any worse. We can only go up from here. Look, make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, share. Let everybody know about the H-Town Who's podcast that you can. And until next time, y'all be good.